you know, it's, it's surreal, right? You, you, you get into the cadaver lab and, you know, you have your scrubs on. It's like, it feels real. Like, this is what, and most people's mind, like, oh, this is med school. And, oh, yeah. you know, this is med school. I've got, a, I'm, I have a scalpel. You know, I'm, I'm about to really dig in and get my hands dirty. Like you're a surgeon. And, yeah, you know, you're, you're thinking you're a surgeon. And I think, you know, just that, that feeling is very brief because, you know, they really just throw you into the fire and, you know, you get into the lab, they give you a two, three minute rundown of what you have to do, what you have to dissect. And it quickly sinks in like, man, like I am not only about to dissect, I have to know all of this material by tomorrow. Hey guys, Dr. Dale here. Really quick before we start this episode, I want to ask you to support our mission by doing one thing. Just subscribe. Subscribe to our YouTube channel or our podcast channel, whichever one you listen to. Just hit that subscribe button. The way our podcasts get out there is by you guys liking it, by subscribing, and of course by sharing as well. So if you do one of those things for us right now, we really appreciate it. We work very hard to make these episodes for you guys. We work very hard to get them out for you guys and just to try to uplift the entire community. So if you can help us out by doing one of those things, subscribe, share, or like every time. I really appreciate it. Love you guys. Really got on Rex ain't playing around. When I go get it, stop playing around. Really got on Rex ain't playing around. Black man, white coke, shit, we up right now. What is up, famous Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise a Doctor Wisdom from Parents Who Did It, the author of Pre-Med Mondays, author of Black Men and White Coast, the author of the Dots Doc Children series, and the author of a new book, which I'm about to drop here, probably a couple of months, it's gonna be called Author and Expert. That's because a lot of you healthcare professionals reach out to me, asked me how I write these books. So I'm gonna give it to you, tell you exactly how I'm able to publish these books. And you listen to the Black Men and White Coast podcast. Super excited about today's guest. Had to go back to the medical students on this one, guys. Really got a great student that I'm excited to introduce to you all. But before I do, before I do, major announcement as always. Got to make sure I announce um, my MCAT scholarship winner. So let me make sure I'm pronouncing this right. This week's MCAT scholarship winner is Array Tang Inau. Um, Array, or might be Array, I apologize. Tang Inau. Um, last name is E-N-O-W. So, Super excited to be able to pay for your MCAT. We're going to reimburse your MCATs. And if you guys want to know a little bit more about Array, check out this video right here. Hi, my name is Array. I am a senior at UT Dallas. I am in, interested in going to med school. I'm really passionate about helping people lead better lives, live healthier lives. I want to be a revolutionary doctor, targeting the underserved communities and I just want to help people live better. I am involved in a couple of activities. I'm a member of Phi Theta Kappa. I'm a member of Tau Sigma. Tau Sigma. Um, I also receive a couple of scholarships from school and I really just want to go out there in the world and try to make the world a better place. We're suffering so much. Our healthcare system is suffering so much. The there's so many underserved communities that don't have access to quality doctors. So I want to be that person who goes out there and reaches out to the underserved community, trying to make a difference, trying to make a change. I just want to be somebody who's got more to give than more, than taking from people. Some people just do it because of the money, but I want to do it from my heart. I want to serve people, especially the black community and Latino community, and go out to other parts of the world and serve and not doing it just only for a paycheck, but doing it out of love and out of respect for other people. Yeah. And uh, I also play the piano for my church. 
I try to volunteer. I do extracurricular activities. I'm also a certified pharmacy technician. I work at Walmart and I used to work at CVS before. I do, I'm also, I got, so I took up the challenge and I went ahead and got certified to give COVID shots. And so far I've given over 20 COVID shots and I'm, and I'm wanting, wanting to increase the number. So I just want to go out there and serve people, be a better doctor, be a better person and try to make the world a better place as I possibly can. And I believe that together we can make the world a better place. We can rise up to the, to the, to the podium and take domination and show that black people have a lot of stuff to offer to the community. And I just want to spread the love and the message of peace and promote the black people and promote medicine as a whole. All right, so congratulations to you again, Ray. You know, we're rooting for you. We know you can do this. We think you can become a phenomenal doctor. And any other pre-med who's taking the MCAT, we are paying for your MCAT exams. We're reimbursing you. Make sure you go to blackmenandwhitecoats.org backslash MCAT, blackmenandwhitecoats.org backslash MCAT, and we got you covered. We're cutting checks, man. Not checks for his PayPal. We're transferring PayPal funds. But same thing. We're cutting checks for y'all. Trying to um, help you guys out along this journey. So, Ray, all you have to do is email us info at blackmenandwhitecoast.org. Just email us info at blackmenandwhitecoast.org and we got you covered. All right. Um, next major announcement is everybody, make sure you're on our email list because we got a lot of questions about, hey, when are you doing this? When are you doing that? Well, it all comes out to the email list. So blackmenandwhitecoast.org backslash email, blackmenandwhitecoast.org backslash email. And our next major announcement, I got to check my calendar, but I believe that the next virtual mentoring luncheon, I believe right now we have it planned for Saturday, June 26th. So Saturday, June 26th is going to be our next virtual mentoring luncheon. But check your emails. Make sure on the email list. We're going to send out an email to all of you all to make sure you guys are um, aware and as many people as possible can join. For kids, uh, we say eight years old and up. And then for doctors, medicines, we need all you guys there to help mentor these kids. We break out into small sessions. Everybody brings your lunch virtually. We chat over Zoom or whatever. And we have a great time, right? A couple hundred people on there uh, the past few times. Let's keep on growing it so we can get these kids ready and inspired for the field of medicine. All right, now it's time to do what we're here to do. I know y'all getting tired of hearing Dr. Dell talk, so I'm going to introduce you to my guy, man. This is my guy, student doctor. I just want to call him doctor, but we're not quite there yet. But student doctor, Chris Coiler. Um, I'm going to go through him, ask him a lot of questions. He's a medical student now out of Temple, but I'm not going to spill the beans on all this stuff. I want you guys to hear his story, some really interesting stuff in his story. Um, I'll just I'll just talk about, say, one of them right now, which uh, fascinates me is he's, he talks, he, he hasn't, he didn't really get that exposure and insight into the field of medicine until late in college, I believe. I believe it was uh, his junior year, but we'll get into that here in a second. But Chris, my guy, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you taking the time to, you know, uh, come chat with us on the podcast, share your story, hopefully inspire the next generation, not even the next generation. Honestly, most of our listeners are actually um, around my age, healthcare professionals and things of that sort. So um, inspire them, my generation and the next generation. So, you know, your story is going to be touching a lot of people. So I appreciate you doing that, man. No problem. All right. So here. I'm gonna, I want to start asking a first question to every guest. I'm going to try to remember. I remembered it today, but I'm going to try to remember every episode, all right? So the first question I want to ask every guest now is going to be, if you weren't going to be a medical doctor, what would you do? Uh, I'd, I'd say I'd probably be doing something with, like, fitness, um, you know, whether it's, like, a gym instructor, instructor or having, you know, my own fitness classes, um, maybe working as an athletic trainer, something along those lines. Uh, I think... You know, just being around, 
I guess, exercise and, and helping people to get better is like something I, I've always enjoyed. Um, so, you know, being in that environment, I think seeing competitive nature and, and being able to see people make progress is something I would also enjoy if I wasn't, you know, pursuing medicine full time. Do you have a sports background yourself? Yeah, I played, um, I played football and basketball coming up. And then when I got to high school, I played, you know, football, varsity football for years. And, um, and that was when my, my football career ended. I didn't play in college or anything, but, you know, I still follow sports to this day and I'm um, still passionate about, um, you know, some, some of the teams I follow. So. So when you were, when you were a kid playing football, was it, were you wanting to go all the way to the NFL or was it like, yeah, I'm just playing for fun while I'm young. I think, um, you know, I think I had dreams of maybe going to like get a scholarship to play in college. You know, I think I, that was, I didn't think I was going to go to the NFL or anything, but you know, I was decent enough to maybe um, earn a scholarship. I just think my size is probably what limited me. Um, but, you know, I, I was realistic, you know, I knew I, what my, uh, you know, what my ceiling was. And, you know, I, I decided to just go to a school where I could get a good education and, and pursue, you know, something else I was passionate about. Yeah, that sounds like my story for uh, basketball. Same thing, right, for me and playing basketball. All right, now let's take it, let's take it way, 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 way back, right? Um, childhood, tell me about your childhood. Where'd you grow up? Yeah, so I'm from, I'm from West Philadelphia. Um, you know, born and raised on the playground where I spent most of my days. How many times you heard that? How many times people did that to you? Every time, but it, it's always, you know, obviously from the people that aren't from Philly, you know, you say you're from West Philadelphia, that's the first thing that comes to mind for them. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm from West Philadelphia. Grew up there my whole life. Um, you know, I grew up in a, in a household with, with both parents. Um, and I, I was the youngest of four boys. So, you know, I had a, a lot of role models growing up. Um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of structure, I guess I can say. And, and blessed to come from a, a family where there were, you know, people that had already, you know, been to college and, and kind of set the way, set the path for me, um, you know, going through school and knowing how important it was and, and you know, what, what my options were. Um, but, you know, I, I grew up in a, in, a, in a home that was, um, you know, I, I was very blessed to have just a supportive family that, you know, allowed me to be myself and support, supported me in everything that I wanted to do. So um, was college ever not an option for you in your household? <laughs> Never. 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 Uh, you know, my, my dad actually is from Liberia. Uh, West Africa. And so, you know, he, he came here and, you know, paid his own way through school, got a, got a degree. And, um, you know, that was, you know, ultimately his goal. Like he wanted to put his boys through school and, you know, he was very serious when it came to school because, you know, like I said, he came from Liberia. So he, he comes from a background where not a lot of people, you know, in his village had that education or that the opportunity to even receive an education. So, it's something he took very serious. You know, he didn't he didn't play around with it, and you know he he made sure that we were also serious about school and and knew, you know, why an education was so important. Um, you know, especially when he has he has family back home that you know can can barely read and write, and you know don't have those opportunities. So for him to come here, find his way here, and be able to go to school and get a, to get a degree and provide for his family, you know, that was something that he you know he he never took for granted and made sure we knew that. You know, they say that, um, you know, that level of success, that drive, some of it kind of goes away with the third generation, right? So you got your dad, then you, so you're going to have a lot of work to do with your kids, right? Because um, your dad knows what that drive was like. You know what that drive was like because you saw your dad do it and, and you had that direct influence. But then your kids are going to have a different story, right? You're going to be a doctor, 
more than likely going to have a certain level of affluence, right? So your kids are going to grow up in a certain environment. I mean, I think about it with my kids now, like all the stuff you just said, um, essentially for taking things for granted. I love, of course, I love all my kids to death, but they, you know, they just don't get certain things, right? Certain, a lot of things they, they will take for granted. We try, we try to make it so they don't, but they don't know any different, right? Cause it's, cause you know, both your parents are doctors and such. So you're going to have a big, a lot of, a lot of stuff on your hands, man, as you, you're going through it to keep that what your dad passed on to you, what your parents passed on to you, for you to keep that, keep it going down through your generations, man. Right. No, yeah, I can, I can already imagine how, um, you know, just the, the, my kids will be growing up in probably a different environment than I grew up, and, uh, you know, the way they they see life and see things will probably be a little bit different. But you know, hopefully, I can, you know, do my best as a as a parent when I get there to express the same values and kind of instill that in them also. All right. So you said you didn't. You didn't really get this exposure to medicine until later in college, right? To your junior in college. So before that, what was your life looking like? What were you wanting to do? We know you like football, but that's not wasn't your career. So what were you thinking you were going to do before that? Yes, I mean coming out of high school, um, I had an interest in science. Uh, my mom, she's a, a cardiac technologist, and my dad, you know, he got a second degree and became a nurse. What is what, is, what does a cardiac technologist mean? What does that do? So she does like stress, she does like stuff in the stress lab um, and, you know, like monitoring with like EKGs and stuff like that. Um, and my dad, you know, as a nurse, so I, I had some influence and, in, you know, in healthcare and medicine. Um, and I also enjoyed just the sciences growing up. Um, but, you know, I didn't really, I didn't think, you know, a doctor was, was in my scope. You know, I just, I didn't have the influence. I didn't see it as, I guess attainable, you know, that early on, just because, you know, I don't know if I was intimidated by the, the career path, um, just how many years it took, you know, you know, the admissions test and just everything that entails, you know, everything you have to do to get to med school. And I didn't have any real, you know, role models to look at and say like, oh, you know, I can do this. Um, so, you know, throughout college, I was, I was very, you know, wishy-washy with what I wanted to do. I, I you know, I considered maybe like something with psychology, um, but, you know, I didn't think the career path for that were, were too great. I, I then considered PA school. Um, and I think, you know, once I started looking into PA school, um, I was, you know, I felt like it was, it was feasible for me and something that I could, I could definitely achieve. And, and I'd be the first to, to get, you know, uh, a second degree or, or a um, graduate degree in my family. Um, and so, me, you know. So, so why you were thinking PA school, it is it that you thought about medicine and said, no, I can't do it? Or you just thought PA school and didn't really even give medicine a thought? Yeah, like I, I just, I didn't, I think it was more of like, I saw it as like a, a shorter, shorter route. And, you know, I would have, you know, be able to do some of the same things and kind of maybe still fulfill that, you know, that, that desire to pursue medicine. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just never really gave the whole doctor thing a serious thought, you know, just, I don't know, I just never really was in my, you know, I just, I just didn't think it was in my scope. Um, even though, you know, I was a good student, you know, like I was, I, you know, I took care of business in the classroom, but I just never gave it that real thought um, because I think it was, it was because I never really saw it. You know, I never really saw it. And so, you know, PA I thought was like the closest thing. And it was like, oh, you know, two years, you know, I could probably do that. And, you know, I just, I was, I was going to go for that. So then what happened? Um, what was a trigger that kind of turned this thing around now? Yeah, so I did, I did SMD. And, and, and this isn't that long ago, right? You're a first year med student. So you're talking just what, three, four years ago? Well, so this, well, I graduated 2017. So, okay. you know, I was in college from 2013 to 2017. Yeah, so this uh, is all relatively fresh. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, it was a, it was a quick turnaround. Um, and what changed was I, I did a summer program at uh, University of Virginia. I did SMDP, Summer Medical Dental Education Program. The name has now changed um, to, I think, yeah, SHPEP. I think it's PEP for anybody who wants to look at it. SHPEP, SHPEP. Right. So yeah, I did SMDP and I was like, you know, it was a, it was a, a career changing moment for me just because I was surrounded with, um, you know, other, other men and women that looked like me um, that were all so serious and passionate about wanting to become a doctor. Um, and, you know, just even interacting with some of the med students at UVA, they were bringing in black physicians, you know, um, you know, just the representation and, you know, I shadowed some, and I think just being in that environment, seeing like how, you know, they weren't thinking twice about it. Like, uh, I'm going to be a doctor. And, you know, even like to this day, a lot of the people from my cohort at SMDP are now in either med school, dental school, or physical therapy school. Like they're actually doing it, you know? Like, so I think it was just seeing that and being able to, you know, receive the influence and, and seeing that like, oh, like this is achievable for people that look like, you know, look like me and seeing the med students and the physicians and hearing, you know, other people's journeys. Like not everyone was straight A student and, you know, people, you know, were had to retake the MCAT and just hearing like those trials and trials and errors and seeing like, you know, you don't have to be, you know, some, you know, 4.0 student and and just crush every class you take to go and become a doctor. And I think that was some of the perception that I had. Um, and so just seeing that and, and being surrounded by them really made me reflect. And, and you know, I, I was so inspired. You know, I went back to school and I was like, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to try and go to med school. So going into the program, were you thinking medicine a little bit? Or why did you even apply to the program? Because most, so I, I did the program, um, Man, when I did it, it was called SMEP. It used to be MMEP. Then I think for a year or two, it was SMEP. That's when I did it. And then I switched to SMDEP. I did it back in, I don't know, 2004, I think, you know, a while right. back now. Um, and most people who I knew who came into it were already kind of wanting to be doctors. But it sounds like you weren't sure. So what was going right. into it? What was your thought? Yeah, I think it was more so just for the exposure. You know, just like I, I saw it as an opportunity to be surrounded by other black and brown health professionals that could provide me with, you know, just some career advice, some insight, and just give me some exposure to, you know, uh, the field of medicine. Um, but I, you know, wasn't, you know, 100% sold on wanting to be a doctor at that point. You know, I came out with that mindset. You know, I loved, I love you. So, you know, I used to wonder, because I always thought, again, most folks that I did it with, we went into there thinking we already wanted to be doctors, right? Um, so I used to wonder, I used, I used to ask myself, is this program, it's a phenomenal program, but it's put on by the AAMS, American Association of uh, Medical Colleges or Association of American Medical Colleges and um, sponsored by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. So phenomenal program. But I used to wonder, like, are these kids, are the kids getting to this program, kids that were going to become doctors anyways, kids that were going to make it, you know, like, because people I knew who did them, like, man, we're going to do it anyways, probably, right? But I love your story because you're a kid that was not going to do it, right? right. So without that, so that program literally, I mean, there's a whole lot of you around the country, not just you, but that you're a perfect example of how that program works and how it puts out more doctors into this country. Right. Yeah, it really did. It changed my whole perspective and, you know, just it made it seem like, oh, this is definitely achievable for me. Um, and, you know, like I said, like it, just being surrounded by so many people that had that vision 
and you know hearing their their stories and you know what they had planned for the future was just inspirational for me and i was like i can do this too and that's what it is man like people just need to see that one person or not one yours was better you saw people and make it say exactly what you just said i can do this too so um let's rewind a little bit more and then we'll, we'll fast forward again um what was your biggest challenge in your your youth you know pre-college like you know junior high high school what was your biggest challenge um along that journey to get to where you're at today like school any you know friends or what what would you say was your biggest challenge my biggest challenge uh coming up through school i think it was probably just you know just being confident like in my and my ability um to pursue whatever it is I wanted to pursue I think you know I just didn't have the confidence early on um and that's you know that's kind of why I feel like my process was delayed a few years and why you know I didn't you know realize I could do something until my junior year of college and stuff I think it's just like just the confidence factor you know being able to believe in, in yourself that you can really go out there and achieve whatever it is you put your mind to um and I you know I, I felt like I was kind of selling myself short um, early on when I look back now, because, you know, the confidence I have now, like I, you know, anything I put my mind to, I know I can, I can go and do it. Um, but that was something that it, it took me a few years to develop um, as I was getting older and, and going through, I guess, college and some of my undergrad studies um, and just, you know, putting myself in uncomfortable situations and, and coming out successful. Um, you know, I think it took, it took some of those experiences for me to really gain that confidence and, and feel that. Um, so that, that's also good to hear, right? Because I think a lot of people are going to be in that same situation where they don't have that confidence and you got to college, you had the opportunity to, to develop that confidence for yourself. And I know, so I do a lot of work with pre-meds, of course, right? So I hear the other side of that a lot where pre-meds come to college and they don't have that confidence and they can't build it, but something happened with you that you were able to build it. So what was it? Was it just sitting in class and knowing you could do it? Because yeah. most people I would say probably struggle to build it once they get that far. Right. I think it was excelling in class. And then also, you know, a few other things were just hearing from some of my professors of how, how much they saw in me and believed in me. And, and, you know, it wasn't just artificial, like it was very genuine, like, you know, speaking of some of the, the, maybe the papers I wrote or like how I really stood out in class in certain ways. Um, and then, you know, I think the other thing was just putting myself up against like national competition when I applied to some of like these internships and knowing like how competitive competitive they were, how selective they were, and like you know they wanted me out of you know hundreds or even thousands of applicants, I'm one of you know twenty or so to get selected. I think that kind of showed me like oh like you really you know I really stand out amongst you know a large selection of my peers, and and I think that you know that says something. Um, so you know whatever I'm doing, you know just continue to build on that and continue to to grow in those ways to you know make sure I, I continue to stand out in, in different ways. That's huge. I love it, man. Really putting yourself out there to see, because I think that's, that's a lot of things. A lot of people aren't willing to put themselves out there and see where they stand. And you gotta be, you have to get rid of that fear. You have to be willing to jump in there to compete. Right? I'm big on competition. You gotta be willing to compete to see where you stand out overall. So, what did you do those years after um, college? It took me a while to realize it, but you had some time off. So, what did you do during that time off? Yeah. So, when I left Penn State, I actually went straight into a one-year accelerated postback program. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I did a post back because, like I said, I didn't decide to my junior year that I went to pursue med school. So I didn't have all my prereqs 
and I wasn't trying to squeeze in, you know, all my physics and orgo and all that stuff into my last few semesters. So I, I had already opted to go the post back route. Uh, that was just my decision. I thought it would be, you know, just for my mental health, I thought it was, it was a better option. And so I took a year right after I graduated, I went straight into a post back at Thomas Jefferson in Philadelphia, Thomas Jefferson University, um, and um, did that for a year. It was 10 months. And then after that, I studied for the MCAT for my first attempt. Didn't do as well as I wanted. So I sat out that cycle. And, um, you know, with that, without with sitting out a year, I just got some work experience. I was working for a nonprofit. Didn't even, you didn't even apply. You just took it and didn't even try to apply. You just said it's not. Yes, yeah, like I, I submitted like my primary. Um, but when it got time for secondaries, I by that time I was getting secondaries, I was like, I'm not submitting my best work. And so I, I just didn't, you know, I didn't go through with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I took that year and I, I worked, so I, I had a few jobs. I worked as, um, I was working for a nonprofit doing some pediatric cardi uh, cardiology research. Um, we were doing like heart screenings and stuff. So that was pretty cool. And then I, I also scribed part-time, um, just to be, you know, in a, in a clinic environment, you know, seeing patient interactions, stuff like that. Um, and then study for the MCAT, you know, again, and I gave myself more time. You know, I studied for like six months this time, part-time, obviously, because I was working. And um, I think having taken it already, you know, I, I had, I was already familiar with the test. I knew to expect. So that helped. And um, then I, I reapplied. And so got in my second or the second cycle. How much did your MCAT score improve? Was it significant? It wasn't. I mean, I, I guess it depends what you call significant. I jumped up like six points. Yeah. Um, but, you so know, it was good enough to make you feel confident in your application. Yeah. Cause I was like right on the cusp of what, you know, I thought would have been comfortable. And so I jumped up six points and, um, you know, that was, that was big enough for schools. I think that was a big enough jump for schools to look and say like, Oh, like he really improved. You know, I proved it. I improved in the right sections. Um, and you know, so that, you know, that helped, um, and schools were, you know, happy to, to see that. And, and I had a successful application cycle going forward. Nice, okay. nice. And, and that's good for people to hear too, because some, like when I applied, my MCAT score wasn't great. So I think I got like a 25 back in the day, um, which nowadays would probably be like a 500 or something like that. I don't know. But my MCAT score wasn't great. Um, the rest of my application was solid, you know, straight A's, great yeah, research. That's, that's how that's that's you were. Yeah. So, so that was mine. I remember, I remember when I went to interview at Harvard Med School, right? So I got the Harvard interview. I was sitting there interviewing at Harvard, like, man, your application is great, blah, blah. And she was like, um, they're like, yeah, if I were you, um, I would I would just take the MCAT again, you know? And I thought, nah, I said, I'm good. <laughs> so I didn't take it again. I was like, I was like I'm not going to do it because I'm already getting accepted. You know, I, I already know I'm going to be a doctor next year, right? Um, and for me, it came down to this idea as to, and they weren't looking for much. I think they just wanted me to go up a couple points, something. But it came down to this idea of, do I need to go to that school versus do I just need to, to become a doctor? You know, so I, I just say that because in your case, you said, you know, who knows, you might have been able to get in. You probably could have gotten somewhere right the first time. But right. in your case, yeah, in your case, you were kind of like, no, nah, I'm going to sit back and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it next cycle. In my case, I was like, I'm just going to go. So I say that because, it, you know, every individual is going to have to think about that. Every student applying is going to have to think about I knew I was going to get in. I already knew I was, I was going to get in somewhere, right? It would have been different if I, if I wasn't sure I was going to get in. Um, and, I, and by that point in time, I might have already had an acceptance. So maybe that's why I was okay with it. 
but every individual is going to have to sit down in that situation because it's the situation we see a lot, right? It's a common situation and ask yourself, okay, you know, am I going to get into where I want to get into and make those decisions? Because some, for some people, it's a hard thing to do to sit out for a year, two, three, you know? Right. And I think the biggest thing for me was just like evaluating how expensive it is to apply and, you know, having to do that twice, you know, if I didn't get in the first time, you know, that would have been, you know, that would have been stressful because it is very expensive to apply to med school. Um, and, you know, I was paying for most of my applications and stuff. So I just, you know, I had to come to terms of like, you know, is this a good investment right now, knowing that my score is not as strong as it, it could be. Um, and that was ultimately, I think, the deciding factor for me. But, you know, even even going through that, like I was just so I was really upset, like when I got when I got my first MCAT score, because you invest, I just invested a whole year in a post back, you know, it was really grinding and studying and like it didn't just it didn't go as planned. And so it just it kind of felt like, you know, I was crushed. Like I was like, man, like I just put in all this work to be set back. And, you know, with the med school, it's like well, you have to sit out a whole year just about. So, you know, that was it was a really tough decision. Um, but looking back in hindsight, like I'm, you know, I'm extremely grateful for, you know, listening to my gut, trusting myself and just taking that time because, you know, at certain points, like you're ready to throw the towel and like you take the MCAT, that's not something you, you want to do multiple times. So, you know, just going through that, you know, taught me a lot about myself too, just perseverance. So what, what, what would you have done differently on the MCAT the first go around? I think, I think it, it I would have done more practice and, you know, you, you hear, I'm sure you've heard this from multiple people, but it, it really does come down to practice after you are comfortable with the content. And so, yeah, I mean, I didn't give myself enough practice um, early on. And I think I was, I was on the time crunch, you know, finishing the post back, trying to test in a good time frame so I could apply. So, you know, I, I shortened my, my studying time just so I could try and get the application in and it backfired. But I think the, you know, the, the, the biggest thing is make sure you're doing a lot of practice and, you know, reviewing all the questions that you do, whether you get them right, get them wrong, make sure you review it and are able to really understand why you got it right. You know, if you, if you had to guess on something, then make sure you understand that content. And when you see that question again, you're able to thoroughly explain it to someone, you know, what's important in this passage and why did it, why is this the right answer? Why are the wrong answers wrong? Um, I think, you know, understanding that logic as you go through the different sections will really help you to just be able to eliminate answer choices and, and navigate passages more efficiently um, as they come up. Um, yeah. While we're talking about MCAT, I forgot to say it at the start. So um, we have this deal with Kaplan. So we're going we're to be giving out. We haven't put it up yet, but we're going to put it up soon. So again, get on our email list info. I'm sorry, our email list. Go to blackmenandwhitecoats.org backslash email so that way whenever we announce this, you know. But the, but um, we're going to be giving out the Kaplan MCAT book set. So this is like a $250, $260 book set. We're going to give them out to you guys for free, right? So get on the email list and we're going to blast you guys an email as you guys know when we put up online. And, you know, probably the first 100 people to sign up will give you guys this um, $250 Kaplan book set, right? Um, all right, so we got that. Um, so med school, med school, med school. Let's, uh, and we'll start bringing it here to a wrap-up so I know it'll keep me a little bit longer than I thought. So I appreciate you hanging, hanging tight. But med school, what was the biggest shock, biggest surprise? Actually, tell me about the cadaver. We're about to get into a cadaver discussion before. Tell me about, I, I cut you off before the episode started, but tell me about the cadaver stuff. What happened there? I think, um, you know, so tell me we start with anatomy 
And, uh, you know, our first day of class, we're, we're in the cadaver lab. And I think, you know, it's, it's surreal, right? You know, you, you get into the cadaver lab and, you know, you have your scrubs on. It's like, you, it feels real. Like, this is what, and most people's mind, like, oh, this is med school. And, oh, yeah. you know, this is med school. I've got a, I'm gonna have a scalpel. You know, I'm, I'm about to really dig in and get my hands dirty. Like you're a surgeon. And, yeah, you know, you're thinking you're a surgeon. And I think, you know, just that, that feeling is very brief because, you know, they really just throw you into the fire and, you know, you get into the lab, they give you a two, three minute rundown of what you have to do, what you have to dissect. And it quickly sinks in like, man, like I am not only about to dissect, all that, I have to know all of this material by tomorrow because we have another lab tomorrow and it's only going to continue to double up. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, it was just like a very, um, looking back, like just that, it was such a quick instance of like, you feel like you made it. And then you're like, man, my work hasn't even begun yet. Like this, <laughs> you know, that gratification of becoming a med student is very uh, short lived when you realize that you have not even, you know, scratched the surface of what's in front of you. <laughs> so yeah, there's, um, I listened to a podcast, I listen to a lot of basketball podcasts and stuff. Um, we're pot, we're basketball loving family. My kids play basketball. So, so there's, um, uh, one of the podcast guy was talking about how all the NBA players is their dream to get to NBA. It's like, Oh, my dream to get here, my dream. And then you get to the NBA and you're like, okay, what right. now? Like now I got to start working. That's the same, same thing for med school, man. Right. Because it was your dream to get there. And yours, yours is even worse probably because, you know, it's your dream to get there. And then you stand in the cadaver lab, like, Oh, I made it. And then they take that stuff off. And for those of you who haven't been in the cadaver lab, it stinks in there, right? You got the formaldehyde smell. You know, you stand in front of a dead body, right? So it's different. Some people, depending on which class you're in, med school, some, some students might be passing out in the corners or whatever. Not to, not to scare students away from going. It's a great field and you get used to it. So you might pass out once, that's it. <laughs> but um, it's a real deal when you see that cadaver for the first time, man. Yeah, I realized and, that you're on your own. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to do it for you guys. It's, it's like the little toothpicks. We used to have like little toothpicks with a flag on them. Like, what and is so this? That That's how it typically is. But because of COVID, they modified how they were testing and stuff. So, I mean, luckily, we, we didn't have to go through that. <laughs> I remember that, man. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, what is that toothpick point? And then I had one of my boys. Man. We had people, man, they would, like, take the stuff and they move it to some other location. And they just met that. And that means to be all messed up, man. All messed up. Um, all right. So as we're getting ready to wrap this up, tell me what, what are your hopes for the future? Where do you, where do you see yourself going in this, uh, medicine thing? What specialty? Yeah. So I'm, I'm still, you know, in the export exploratory phase, but you know, I have come across some interest, I think throughout my first year that, that I want to continue to explore. Um, so right now considering like emergency medicine, anesthesia, I'm also like physical medicine, rehabilitation, um, did some shadowing and like in the pain intervention. I thought that was really cool. Um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at those right now, but I still have an open mind. Um, you know, I think there's just so much in medicine to explore and, you know, I want to make sure I, I look at all my options and, and, um, you know, consider carefully before I, I can tr truly commit to something. Yeah. That's the way to do it. And with your, um, you know, th at the start of actually what you'd be, you said something, maybe training or physical therapy, you know, something within the, the, physical performance space uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff in medicine that can still take it like pmnr you mentioned even pain yeah. medicine even i'm a i'm a critical care and pulmonologist and i've even thought like in the past i haven't thought about like man what like what would it be like to open up my own like um 
you know, performance physiologic center, like, you know, like um, this in, in pulmonary and critical care or in pulmonary cardiology, we do things called like cardi cardiopulmonary exercise testing, CPEX testing. Like you ever seen um, the old 50 cent in the club video at the beginning, he's on the uh, machine, like, yeah, like all that type of stuff, you know? Um, so within the very specialties, there's so many ways to still be connected to the world of sports. It's crazy. You know, you never think about a pulmonologist having that, but there's so much in, in pulmonary to connect you to the world of sports, even it's crazy and cardiology. All right. Very true. Yeah, that's that's my plug trying to recruit you to the world of pulmonary. <laughs> we just finished cardio and palm too, so it's a good field, man. Pulmonology is a great field. It's a great field. Um, all right, so um, I want to wrap it up with asking you one final question. So, what um, words of advice would you give to your, let's say, your high school self? Um, in one sentence, you can tell yourself in high school one thing. What would that sentence be? I think it would be to, you know, to trust your own journey, your own journey, um, and more importantly, think about, you know, the the career and life that you want down the line, um, and and to forego that instant gratification. Um, you know, I think that's that's something that as a young, you know, someone that's young coming up, like you, you get caught up in instant gratification. You just want to, you know, get through the work and and you know, start making money and, and have a life. But, you know, I think ultimately what matters is is doing something you love. Um, and so, you know, once I came to terms with that, I was able to accept, you know, med school is long, you know, it's a long journey, um, but it, it's ultimately where my passion is. And so I'm, I'm happy going through it because I, I enjoy a lot of the things that we're learning. And I know that's only going to continue to increase as I, you know, further decide on my specialty and what I, and what I really want to pursue. So, you know, I think just trust your own journey, you know, don't compare yourself to your friends, you're gonna have friends that come out of school and, and maybe, you know, have a well paying job and able to buy a car right out of school, their first house, things like that. But, you know, just just focus on yourself, you know, don't don't compare yourself to anyone else's journey, because um, in the end, you know, you'll, you'll get to where you want to be. Um, and ultimately, everyone gets to the same place, you know, as long as you trust your, your heart and get to pursue what you're passionate about. I think that's ultimately what matters. Huge, man, I love it. You strike me as a very patient person overall. So that's from just hearing your story, you've demonstrated patience in multiple points in time. Excellent, hey, uh, student, Dr. I'm gonna drop the student part. I'm just gonna call you Dr. Dr. Chris Coyle. Thank you so much for joining us on the Black Men and White Coats um, episode, man. Uh, you know, I, I tell the guests sometimes, you guys don't know it, but how many people this story is going to impact, right? How many people are going to go sign up for Eshpep now because you talked about, like, just from you telling your story, lives will be changed, right? Um, and I appreciate you telling your story to us, but I just hope you keep on telling it everywhere you go. You know, so let other people hear your story, hear your story, hear your story. It'll make a difference. Um, to the listeners, hey, love you guys. Appreciate you guys rocking with Black Men and White Coast. Do me a favor. Um, we're trying to go to YouTube channel, so go to YouTube and find us on YouTube and click the subscribe button, man. Hit subscribe, help us grow the channel. If you listen on podcasts, hey, follow, like, whatever you do on the podcast too, but help us on YouTube. Let's try to grow. We only have, we only got a few hundred followers so far. We just started putting stuff up for here for real, but help us get to a thousand. Let's get to a thousand, man. We really appreciate you guys. Uh, maybe we'll start doing some some special prizes when we hit a thousand or something like that. Um, so pre-med, check out premedmondays.com. We got um mastermind meetings on Monday nights, and I send you a weekly video. Um uh what else? The movie, bmwcmovie.com. If you haven't seen the movie yet, go to bmwcmovie.com and everybody make sure you join the email list 
And that's blackmenandwhitecoats.org backslash email. And for those people who are taking the MCAT, who want your MCAT reimbursed, blackmenandwhitecoats.org backslash MCAT. Thanks for rocking with Black Men and White Coats, y'all. See you next time. Love you. Ooh. I want them bad like a daddy, yeah. Only do it like flagger, yeah. I'm kicking flavor, no saga, yeah. Hey, I like them blues. I might go Janet like Jackson. I got them option, yeah. It's all about progression. Life is like a blessing. Everything a win, loss is like a lesson. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, ain't no time for stressing. I've been really stepping. Ooh.